I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to forget about everything else you have to do while you're here in the States. Because God brought you here for restoration. And this morning, he wants to restore deeper intimacy with God. And I have a question for you to think about. So keep your eyes closed. A.W. Tozer put forth this question. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you? Wow, that's quite a statement. Who is God to you? What is your picture of intimacy with him? You can open your eyes now. We all know the great commandment in Deuteronomy 6, repeated in Luke 10, that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. So I ask several very mature friends of mine what do these four words mean to you? Take these four words apart and tell me what it means to you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And my friend Valerie, an amazing woman, who has had 11 surgeries where they cut her all the way down her middle 11 times. I've never known someone to suffer, suffer so much physically. And after 22 years, she's still suffering. I said, Valerie, what do these four words mean to you? And she said, surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. I asked another friend, and she said, all four of them mean surrender and trust. I asked my dear friend Bev in Texas. I walked through her healing of severe sexual abuse. She just lost her beloved husband. I said, what do these four words mean to you? And she said, trusting enough to surrender everything. I thought, I see, I see something here. Hmm, there's a theme. Everyone I ask used the words surrender and trust. Like you, 
God called me to be overseas with my husband and my family. We were overseas for 18 years. And when I came back, I was totally exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I asked God to revive me, to restore me. And I asked him to give me a picture of what spiritual intimacy with him looked like. And he surprised me by what he gave me. Any of us that are on email have received these emails that are sent out to scores of people, and very often we don't open them. But one day I opened one, and I was so touched by this email that I spent the morning thinking about the pictures. But let me tell you the story before I show you the pictures. There was a mama tiger in a zoo who had some baby tigers, and they died. And she went into a tiger depression, a postpartum depression. I did not know tigers did that, but they do. And she stopped eating, she stopped drinking, and the people that took care of her in the zoo were concerned that not only were they going to lose the babies, but they were going to lose the mama. And so they sent out a frantic email to zoos all across the United States and said, do you have any lion or tiger babies that need a mama? No response. And this mama tiger without any babies continued to fade. So they sent out another email and said, do you have any large animal babies that need a mama of any variety, shape, or form? No response. And the mama would not eat or drink, and they knew she was going to die. And so they sent out a third email, and the email said, do you have babies, period, that need a mama? <laughs> Little babies, big babies, we just need babies that need a mama. And they got one response that said, we have some wiener piggies <laughs> that need a mama, and I thought, Pigs? I thought pigs belonged in a barnyard, not in a zoo. Well, these wiener piggies, whatever they're, what made them so special, they belonged in a zoo. And so they said, send them if they need a mama. We have to try something. So they sent these piggies and prayed that they would not become bacon. <laughs> and they thought, what can we do so that this mama tiger will accept these little piggy babies as her own. And they got some tiger cloth and made little cloaks out of it. And they wrapped the baby <laughs> tiger, the little baby pigs, in the thing. And you can see them here. 
wrapped in the tiger. Now, if you look at this next picture, you will see <laughs> that this mama has accepted the babies. Is she happy? Are the babies happy? They have climbed up on the mama's chest and they are there listening to her heartbeat for them. And she is fulfilled and happy because she is what God wanted her to be, a mama. And I guess she thinks they're little tigers. And I sat there that morning looking at this picture. And I said, God, this is such a picture of adoption, of what you've done with us, because really, we're all little piggies. And that's what we must look like to you. We're not like you at all. And yet, we're wrapped in the cloak of Jesus. And when you look at us, you see Jesus. And we can crawl up in your lap and put our head against your chest and hear your heart beat for us. And I said, God, thank you for giving me this picture of intimacy with you. But because I have on a Jesus cloak, you want me to just crawl up into your lap and know that I'm embraced by you and that you have your arms around me. Thank you, Father. Ladies, I was a missionary. I would have died for Christ any day. I loved him, but I wanted to know him on a deeper, deeper, a deeper level, and I wanted to fall in love with him, not in a romantic way, but I wanted to, I wanted to grow to adore him. We all just sang a song about adoring God such a strong word, adore. God began to draw me into deep private worship with him. And I didn't really know how to worship him. I knew how to worship in church. But I didn't know how to be alone with God and crawl up in his lap and put my head against his chest. And so I started reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and I said, God, teach me about worship. Show me from your word about worship. And I would get on my knees and open my hands and say, God, you be my teacher. Teach me how to worship you. Psalm 89, 15 says, Happy are those 
who know the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence. They will walk in the light of your presence. I know that I'm not the only Christian leader who loved God, but would have said that I didn't have deep intimacy with him. I have a relationship with a Christian leader. She would call me her mentor. And one day she looked at me and she said, Linda, I love God with all of my soul, mind, and strength. But I don't know how to love him with my heart. I'm such a good worker. I'm such a good servant. But I want to feel him. I want to experience him. Worship was the pathway that God had for me to intimacy. The word worship comes from the old Anglo-Saxon word worthship. And I'm really sorry that we changed it. We always in America want to shorten everything. But the word worship means to attribute worth to someone or something. And so it would be much better if we said, I'm going to worship God, because it would remind us of what worship really is. A.P. Gibbs, one of my favorite writers, he was an old brethren writer, he said, in prayer, we are occupied with our needs. In thanksgiving, we are occupied with our blessings. But in worship, we are totally occupied with God himself. Now, we're told throughout the scriptures that we're supposed to pray. And I can remember a time in my life when I felt pretty good about myself when I moved on to Thanksgiving from needs. And God says that as Christians, we are to overflow with Thanksgiving. God wants us to be a thankful people. And yet, ladies, how often do we move from needs and thanksgiving to being totally occupied with God himself? The Greek word for worship is filled with passion. And it's a very passionate, affectionate type of love. If you looked it up in a commentary, uh, it would have a, uh, a strange meaning, so I gave it my own meaning. It, the meaning in the commentaries is to kiss toward, okay, kiss toward something. So 
I have changed it to blow a kiss toward God. It's a very passionate type of love where you are blowing a kiss toward God. It's filled with passion. I am blessed to have 10 grandchildren and none of them live near me. And when they would come to visit or I would go to visit them when they were small, uh, they would say, Nana, I'm blowing you a kiss as I leave. And they would go like that. And then I would blow them a kiss back and they'd say, now you can have my love till I see you again. I'm blowing you a kiss. This is the idea behind the Greek word for love that we are blowing a kiss to God. It's passionate. It's affectionate. This is the Greek word used in the New Testament. In contrast, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament means to fall prostrate. It's a word of reverence. It's the word for the song about God's holiness that we sang. And if we really needed a definition of worship, it's to take the Greek word to blow a kiss and the Hebrew word to fall in reverence and put them together. That's worship. So ladies, I have a question for you. I have a question for me. Do we passionately love God? Do we adore God? I'm old enough to remember when we changed from singing hymns to singing praise choruses. And one of the very first ones was, Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you. And I can remember looking around at people, particularly when we sang, Spirit, I adore you. And I'm thinking, does anybody here really love, does anybody adore the Holy Spirit? Are we thinking about what we're saying? CJ, come on up. I want us to sing this song, and I want you to close your eyes and if you're comfortable, just open your hands. We're just going to sing through at once. I want you to think about what you're singing. Father, I adore you. Lay my life before you. How I love you, Jesus, I adore you. 
I'm going to give you another quote by Tozer. He said, The admonition to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind can mean only one thing. It means to adore him. I use the word adore sparingly, for it is a precious word. I love babies and I love people, but I cannot say I adore them. Adoration I keep for the only one who deserves it. When we adore God, all of the beautiful ingredients of worship are brought to white, incandescent heat with the fire of the Holy Spirit. We love him with fear and wonder and yearning and awe. When we adore him, worship becomes a completely personal love experience between God and the worshiper. And ladies, this is what God wants for each one of you. intimacy with you. The second point on your outline is elephant intimacy with others, which just sounds totally strange. If we read in Luke 11 about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, It would go on and tell us about the story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus would describe what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And you know the story of the Good Samaritan that a man was wounded. He had been beaten up and robbed, and he was wounded. And first a priest walked by and looked at him and was disgusted and went to the other side of the street without doing anything to help. And then a, a, a Levite walked by and did nothing, walked to the other side of the street. And then a Samaritan 
And we all know from reading our Bibles that the Samaritans were not highly thought of. But this Samaritan saw the man and took him back, picked him up, put him on his animal, took him, cleaned his wounds, bandaged him up, paid for him to stay in the hostel, and when he had to leave, gave them money to keep him until he was well. I've learned about mercy from elephants. And I want to show you a video, but before I do, I want to just give you a little background about this amazing creature of God's. Here is a picture of female elephants. Now, note, they are all female. I'm sorry for any men in the room. These are very special women. Female elephants, because they care for one another. And in the wild, when a mama elephant is giving birth, all of the other female elephants take their very bulky, wrinkled, big bodies and turn them inward in a circle to protect the mama. And um, these elephants weigh four tons, approximately. And I don't think it would be real easy to turn their bodies around. But they turn them around in the circle. Now, little animals burrow down like bunnies, and squirrels go up in trees. Others go in caves. They have a place to go to give births. Where can an elephant go to hide? They're just too big. And so they are the most vulnerable. And the baby is vulnerable. When a mama elephant, after two years of being pregnant, get that, ladies, two years of being pregnant is ready to give birth, the lions know, and they are waiting. They are waiting for her to give birth so they can come and snatch the baby elephant. So the female elephants, her sisters, her sister elephants come and they circle around her like this and they stomp and they kick up dirt when the baby is born and they cover the baby with dirt so that the scent of the birth will not carry to the wild animals, and they will not come. Now, all this happened because of evolution, you know. <laughs> so, and I don't know if you'll hear it in the video, but then the, then the female elephants start trumpeting, trumpeting um, a female celebration of new life and of sisterhood, and that something beautiful is being born in a harsh, wild world. So um, put on the video, and 
you will see the little baby being born. They're trying to turn around, bless their hearts. And this is the mama right here who is, you can see her, she is not very comfortable. Now they start kicking dirt around the baby elephant to protect it. So this Bible study in Texas decided that they wanted to be called the elephant herd because they wanted to be to one another like these elephants were. And I called the leader of the Bible study and had a long talk with her and I said, well, tell me what you mean. How do you show mercy to one another? How do you help bind up one another's wounds? How are you there for one another? And she said, we're very transparent. We rally around one another just like the elephants do. She said, we've spent six years praying for the son of one of the women. And one of the sons came to Christ. And the second son is on his way to healing. He said we should, she said, we share the good times, the hard times, and we hold one another accountable. She said one woman needed to quit smoking. We call her. We set our alarms for 510 to pray for her. I hope that's it, not in the morning. Uh, and she said they go to lunch together every month. And... Uh, she said, we are just there for one another. And she said, people don't get it that we call ourselves the elephant herd. But uh, she said, we, we want to be like this. And she said, and then we saw another video about how elephants, God made them to want to find a best friend. And um, this is just amazing to me that God would build this into this creature. Two by two. 
every elephant that comes here searches out someone that she then spends most all of her time with. What are you doing? Sanctuary co-founder Carol Buckley says it's like best girlfriends. It's just like us, you know, somebody that they relate to, they have something in common with. Oh, hello, how are you? Debbie has Ronnie. Best buds, these two. Misty can't live without Delori. And perhaps the closest friends of all. <laughs> Tara and Bella, of course. <laughs> There's no other elephant around here? That's Tara. Just these two. And this is Bella. This is her friend, and her friend just happens to be a dog and not an elephant. That's hilarious. Bella is one of more than a dozen stray dogs that have found a home at the sanctuary. Most want nothing to do with the elephants and vice versa. But not this odd couple. They are absolutely inseparable. When it's time to eat, they both eat together, they drink together, they sleep together, they play together. Tara and Bella have been close for years, but no one really knew how close they were until recently. A few months ago, Bella suffered a spinal cord injury. She couldn't move her legs, couldn't even wag her tail. For three weeks, the dog lay motionless up in the sanctuary office. And for three weeks, the elephant held vigil. 2,700 acres to roam free, and Tara just stood in the corner. To me, it really was she was concerned about, about her friend. Then one day, co-founder Scott Blay carried Bella onto the balcony so she and Tara could at least see each other. And Bella's tail started wagging, you know, and, and we had no choice but to bring Bella down to see Tara. You know? <laughs> They visited like this every day till Bella could walk. Wow. Today, their love and trust is stronger than ever. Bella even lets Tara pet her tummy with her foot. They harbor no fears, no secrets, no prejudices. Just two living creatures who somehow manage to look past their immense differences. Take a good look, America. Take a good look, world. If they can do it, what's our excuse? This, the question that we're asking the scriptures is, what does it look like for me to love my neighbor as myself? And what does it look like for me to show mercy? And I know for you ladies that sometimes you feel there is so much, so many needs around you that you're afraid to even open your eyes to all of those who are wounded or who need mercy. So I just encourage you to really ask God to show you, is there one person, is there someone that he has for you to show mercy to? Is there someone he wants you to not pass by, but to stop and help bind up their wounds? I thought when God began to draw me deeper into worship, 
and I began to spend more time alone. I had been a real extrovert and I became a more contemplative person and I wanted to learn more, to be still and know that he was God, that I wouldn't serve as much, but I find that I serve more than I did before. But serving comes out of a different center. And when I am alone with the Lord, he is teaching me more about listening to his voice. And I know where I'm to spend time showing mercy. Because you have a family. Some of, you, some of you have a family. Some of you have a husband. And I know when I was on the mission field, we were working in many different countries in Eastern Europe, and people would be coming. I was feeding the multitudes. And you can, you can feel overwhelmed. And how can I minister to everyone God puts in front of me? I still feel that way. It really doesn't matter what country you live in or where you are. There are always needs in front of us. And so one of my questions to God is, God, who is my neighbor? And who do you want me to spend my time with? And uh, that goes along with a question I gave him during my worship journey with him. Because I knew God's voice in the scriptures, but I wanted to learn more of his personal voice to me. And... In the year 2000, I heard him ask me a question one night in the middle of the night when I was up on my knees by my, in, by my couch in my office. And the question he asked me was this, will you be available for my most wounded women? I'd never heard him ask me something like that. He doesn't ask me questions like that often. In fact, I can't remember him asking me something like that since the year 2000. But I heard this very clearly. It wasn't audible, but I heard it. And I told my husband the next morning what I thought the Lord had asked me to do, to be available for, and he said, do you know what you're saying yes to? Because if you really believe God has asked you to do something, there's only one answer. And I said, I think so. I had no idea. And the answer, yes, to God uh, has led me to ministering to an amazing woman in Kenya who has rescued 70 girls off the street 
and my husband has gotten involved with me and we have raised money to build a hostel for these girls. So I have 70 black grandchildren in Kenya. Uh, I never had any idea that we would get involved in Kenya. Flora, our precious Kenyan daughter there was just with us. What an amazing woman. And I'm so glad I said yes to God. We have a daughter because I said yes to God. Uh, our daughter, Jessa, who was sexually abused and trafficked by her father in Canada. And she was able to escape at age 21 and she fled to a safe house in Colorado Springs where my husband and I were on the board because I said yes to God's question. Jessa came to live with us. And Jessa is a miracle today. God does do miracles today. And this young woman who had never been to school, who was broken in pieces, starts at Denver Seminary in September to get her doctor's degree. She is married happily, and they are working to adopt children. Uh, so I get to be a grandmother again. Uh, God has blessed our lives immeasurably because I said yes to God. I said yes to God, and I have a relationship with Shannon, a precious woman in my neighborhood who has MS, and she was married to a godly man, graduate of West Point. Shannon walks with a cane and with a brace on her foot, hasn't driven for 20 years. And the first week of COVID, he said to her, I'm tired of your diagnosis. And I'm tired of having a wife who can't do the things my friend's wives do. And so I'm going to leave. And of course, there was another woman waiting in another state. And so uh, Shannon goes to church with us. She's in the Bible study in the neighborhood. We do what we can for Shannon. I can't be available for everything, but we've helped find someone to live with her. You have to say, God, who? Shannon's the one woman in the neighborhood I'm involved with. And so we have to ask him, ladies, and that's why we have to crawl up on his lap and listen to his heartbeat for us because you all have already said yes to God. You've gone. 
And so I'm assuming that probably like I have, you sometimes say yes too many times and you get exhausted and you wonder, why did I say yes to that? And so God wants you to be restored in intimacy with him so you can listen intently and you can go deeper with him and then say, God, you show me. You show me how to show elephant intimacy to others and where to show it. I'm just grateful that you're here and you have this time. So I'd like you in your notes to write down one way that you can think of to have intimate time with the Lord during the next month. And if God has put the name of one person on your heart that he might want you to be a neighbor to, a good neighbor and show mercy to, to write that person's name in your notes. And CJ's going to come and just play quietly just for a few minutes. Let me just pray for you. Abba, Father, it is overwhelming to us that you want to have intimacy with us. Thank you that you clothed us little piggies with Jesus' cloak and that we can crawl up into your lap and put our head against your chest and hear your heart beating for us. Thank you that you are our Father and that you have a Father heart for us. You're a good, good Father. And you love us. Thank you that we can be still before you and know that you're God. We love you and we adore you and we worship you. Amen.